Somebody say new season. Exodus. Praise the Lord. The book of Exodus, chapter 12. Now, I'm excited here this morning because God has been doing some great things within our hearts here. And this is the last message of the series we've been talking about in this new season. And so here this morning, I'm real excited because as we conclude this series, I know that God has been doing some great things within many of our hearts and minds. I've been getting a lot of reports uh, from many of you uh, that whether you've called me, texted me, uh, or whether on social network, whatever it might have been, you've been telling me, oh, Pastor Randa, the new season has just really uh, been encouraging. So uh, keep those coming, by the way, because they do let us know what is happening and taking place uh, within Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay. And uh, it's always good to share as well. And so Exodus chapter 12, remain standing with me for just a few more moments. And then you can watch me stand for the rest of the moments. Exodus chapter 12, verse 31 it says, during the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herd, herds, as you have said, and go. Go into the new season. Father, I pray that you would be with us. Bless us here one more time. Remove me. Place your Holy Spirit behind this pulpit. Let he that has an ear, let him hear. Father, we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise in Jesus' name. And all together we said, before you're seated, shake about five people's hands. Tell them it is a new season. Praise the Lord. Can you hear me? All right, there we go. All right, we'll just go with this here this morning. The new season. Now, if you've been here in these past couple of weeks, you know that we've been talking about in this new season that every season brings growth. Every season that you go through brings growth. Some of you right now, you may feel in a down season. You need to know something. There's growth on its way. Some of you may be in an up season. Everything is great. I want you to know something. It's there for your growth. Every season brings growth. And then also, we talked about how you got to understand this about growth. When it comes to growth, is that growth will always uncomfort you before it blesses you. It's going to always uncomfort you before it blesses you. You may not like it, but it's for your own good. Did you ever hate that saying when you were growing up as a kid? Hated that. I know you may not like that food, but you got to eat it. It's for your own good. 
I used to hear that with vegetables and all this stuff. I'm like, I'm not Popeye. I don't like spinach. But it's good for you. Well, when it comes to the season sometimes, right away we can go, no, no, no. Let me just go back to the cake and ice cream. I like that season. That's better. No, actually what you're going through right now, it's good for you. You may not like it, but it's good for you in the end. And then we also talked about when it comes to change and that even before the change, there were many things that happened even for the children of Israel. And we talked about how the Bible said there were 600,000 men and it could be upwards of a million, 1.2 or even 2 million people that up and left Egypt. A million to 2 million people that just up and left. Now you got to realize that even in the new season with the Israelites, as they left, the Bible says that there were also people that went with them. In other words, they weren't going to go with them into the new season, but they were there for a short season. And there's always a reason for that short season. There's going to be some people that come along for a short while. And I use the analogy, especially in Victory Outreach, we have these things that we always uh, do many a times. We haven't done one in a while. But we do these dramas. And whenever we do these dramas, oh, man, we pack the place out. We get hundreds of people. We've had dramas where we've packed out play thousands. Uh, we did the, uh, uh, the Cow Palace, over 8,000 people. I mean, just people just flock. People just come do the dramas. Oh, man, it's always awesome. I want to come. Now come to church. I don't know, but I want to go that far. Well, because that's a little bit too much. See, there's some people, some people, they just love the drama. That's all they love. They love the season of the drama. And if drama's there, I'm in it. Drama's not there, I'm out. I'm going to go make a drama somewhere else. But just know that those people, they're in your life for a reason. And sometimes even for a short season. And then we also talked about in the season that you got to tell your children. Tell your son. Let them know that where God is taking you, he's bringing you out. But let them know that it wasn't you that did it, but it was God Almighty that did it you got to remind your children, let your children know that it was all God. It wasn't you that got you off of drugs. It wasn't you that got you off of alcohol. And for some of you say, well, I never did drugs. I never did alcohol. Well, it wasn't you that got you away from you, from being self-centered, from being self-righteous. It was God. And you got to tell your children that. Let them know that. And then also you got to know that it may be your season, but it's his direction. It may be your season, but it's his direction. He's guiding you. He is showing you. He is the one that is leading you. And listen, my friend, you want to give up your authority for God's authority. Give up your way for his way. I want to tell you, his direction is the best direction. Let God's promises shine upon your problems. And if you were here, we also talked about three things. Or actually, we're going to talk about the third today. But we talked about two other things that you got to change while you're in this season if you're going to go into the promised land. Because how many want to go into the promised land? Come on, how many want to go into the promised land? And listen, when you see him face to face, promise is fulfilled. When you see him there at the pearly gates, oh, hallelujah, I cannot wait till that day. See, I know that we came and when we talk about death, we talked about Vera Gonzalez earlier. It's kind of a solemn moment. But I want you to know something. We're down here. And we are the ones that are feeling, let's be honest, when it comes to RIP and we say rest in peace, let's be honest. They're not the ones who are in peace. They're the ones in joy. We're the ones that need the peace. It should be LIP, live in peace. Because we're the ones that need it. They don't need it. 
We need it. And if we're honest, she's up to, I, I can bet you, I almost bet you that the sister Vera right now, she's like, hey, Pastor Steve, Pastor Ed, Pastor David, here, come on. I got a special song I want to sing. Oh, it's a great song. I got like five voices now at the same time. Watch me, watch me, watch me. That's probably what she's doing. The precious lamb, she's got a whole choir of angels that she's probably leading. The precious lamb. Okay, I know I can't sing, amen. I'm no Vera, but I'm telling you, I mean, just, she's up there rejoicing. Seeing a face, that's a, I mean, she has reached where I want to go. That's where I want to be. But right now, this ugly flesh, man, I hate this thing. But until that day, I, I want to learn about his word. I want to get it, and I want to change whatever I need to change so that one day I can see him face to face. And I can hear those words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And so we talked about if you're going to get into that promised place, that promised land where God has for you, then you're going to have to change a few things. And number one, we talked about how you got to change what you eat. Tell your neighbor, change what you eat. See, the Bible says that God gave his people daily manna, daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. He was showing his people, building a nation, trying to teach them, listen, what you need to live on is daily, daily bread. You need a daily diet, daily exercise, daily workout with Jesus Christ. Now, let's be honest, for those of us, that if, I don't know if you're like myself, but in the morning, many people that, that are around me, they know I don't have breakfast. I really don't eat breakfast. I know a lot of people say, well, it's the most important meal of the day. I get it. I understand it. But just, I don't know. I've, I've done that probably since I was in junior high and really since I got started getting serious into sports. So since then, I've never really had breakfast, maybe 10, 11 times at the most in, you know, 20-something years. I really don't have it that much. And so what I do, though, it's just a personal thing of how I eat and what I have, but it's just a diet that I've had. Now, also throughout the years, I've had to change a few things. Myself, I used to drink like crazy soda. Oh, my gosh. I had, I mean, I had root beer. I loved cream soda. That was like my favorite. Matter of fact, if it came in front of me right now, I probably would still drink it. I just, I have that issue. I've, I've got issues. Yes, I do. But I love so. I loved cream soda. I mean, some of you guys are Cokeaholics. If you could, you would probably snort Coke. I'll let you get the irony of that when you walk out. Amen. But I do know some people, they love Coke. I mean, they're drinking Pepsi like crazy. They, oh, like, I mean, you drink like crazy. I'll just, man, I got to have my monster. I got to have my rock star. I got to have this. I got to have that. I got, you, you, you got to have it. Well, because I've changed my diet and I've changed the way I drink, I changed the way I eat, and I've changed my habits, now I haven't really drank soda for almost 11 years, really. I, I don't drink it. So when people do offer it to me or I drink it or maybe by accident because it has happened before, because sometimes when you're in a restaurant, 7-Up kind of looks like water if you don't really look at it. So I say, whoa, what is this? Well, the reason why is because I've changed the way I drink. And so because I've changed the way I drink and I've changed the way I eat, when something comes and it touches my tongue, I can tell, wait a second, this ain't right. This is not water. Well, it's the same way when you change your eating habits, when sin comes your way, you go, wait, 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 this, this ain't 
right. I don't do this no more. I don't talk like this. I don't walk like this. I don't look over. I don't go over here. Why? Because you've changed your eating habits. And so I want to challenge some of you here today. Uh, if you get a chance, listen to that message. But some of you, you got to change your eating habits. Change the things that you take in. Change the way that you talk, the way that you, even the way that some of you dress. you got to change some of those things. It's, it's funny because I know a lot of times I, I, I've seen a, a, a lot of people, especially in the 90s when I was growing up, uh, we used to do our drama called Shotgun, right? We used to have the drama called Shotgun. And so everybody used to dress a certain way, right? We used to dress like this. And it was funny. I never even heard of creasing pants before in my life until I got involved with Shotgun. Then I used to see my father. He used to crease his jeans, they're jeans. They're jeans. Just throw them on. They're jeans. No, no, no. You got it. You got to have that. <laughs> but then even I remember after a while, even sometimes my father would go, eh, they're just jeans. There's no big deal. It wasn't always, didn't always have to do it. Didn't always, but even it just kind of. Change the way even you dress. Uh, my father used to always talk about when he was a when he was a dope fiend. He'd throw on anything. I don't care. I'll just take somebody's clothes that I was probably we were. Uh, everybody's there sleeping anyways. Whatever shirt's there, okay, I'll throw it on. But then he got saved. Oh, wait a second. Oh, no, I don't. I don't, don't want to dress like that no more. So even when we when I come to church, I don't wear a tie because I want to look good. I wear a tie because hey, I've changed a little bit. I just, I, I want to just, I want to dress like this. I know a lot of times there's some people that say, well, Victory they still wear ties. Well, I like to wear ties. Don't blame me if I look better than George Clooney. It ain't my fault. Don't get mad at me. Blame my wife. She's the one that likes me looking this good. Holla. Hallelujah. It's changed. And because I've changed on the inside, it shows on the outside. That's all it is. That's nothing to do. If you, if you don't want to wear a tie, don't wear a tie. It doesn't matter. It's not a big deal. It's just I've changed. And because I've changed, this is what I show on the outside. And I can tell if something tries to infiltrate this inside, I can tell. Because I've changed the way I eat, I don't do that no more. I'm not going to intake that into my spirit. And so it's very important that you and I hunger and thirst after righteousness. Go after God. Then also last week we talked about how you got to change what you see. In the book of Numbers, the, the children of Israel sent out 12 spies and 10 came back saying, man, we look like grasshoppers unto these, uh, these giants. And it's funny how many times when we go through trials, we can always exaggerate our problems, but we never exaggerate our God. We always say, man, look how big our problems are, rather than, man, you know what, look how big my God is. I remember there was a, a, a preacher that came behind the, uh, this pulpit many years ago, and uh, she shared an analogy, really just, I've always, it's always stuck in my head. She said that she, was, she had a dream one time, and in the dream, she had a huge hand, a huge hand in her dream. All of a sudden, she was just there, she was standing, and there were many things around her, and she had a huge hand, and she said that in this dream, she had a huge hand, 
And she couldn't realize and she couldn't understand why she had such a huge hand. And there were so many things around her. And then God spoke to her and said, I wanted you to see how small your problems really are if you just put your hand over them. I wanted you to see that. And see, many times we always try to exaggerate our problems. Oh, if you only knew my problems. Oh, if you only knew what I've been through. If you could only see what I've seen. Listen, my friend, I want you to know something. If you only can see how big your God really is. You can see how big your God. I know that you've got trials. I know that you've got situations. I know you've got challenges. I, I know that there's some emotions going up and down within your life. But I want you to know something. My God is bigger than those trials. My God is bigger than any situation that you may feel. I can't get out of my friend. My God is bigger than that. See, the ten spies came back and they said, look it. We look like grasshoppers under these men, under these giants. But there was two men that said, listen. By faith, we can take those guys. By faith, we can do this. And listen, some of you here this morning, you need to know something. That in the promised land, there may be giants in that promised land. But the great thing I love about the promised land is that if there can be giants in that promised land, then that means that God can raise up giants in the faith in that promised land. God can do something great within your life. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand of praise. See, we talked about how faith is a gift and that faith is also a fruit that is produced within our lives, and the fruit must grow. And the faith continues to grow as we study the Bible, as we learn of his amazing grace, of his amazing character. The more we learn about God, the more we can see him working in our lives, and the stronger our faith can grow. And so today, we're going to talk about changing our lifestyle. Now we talked about changing what we eat, changing what we see, now changing our lifestyle. Let me ask you this question. What is probably the most famous season in all of the exodus of the children of Israel? I mean, it's, it's the most famous. Everybody knows it. Everybody, even sinners know it. It happened at a mountain, and Moses went up to the mountain. The most famous part, I mean, the religions are based on it. Denominations are split through it. But everybody, it's the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments. Because when they left, everything seemed like, yes, we're going somewhere. Okay, but let me make sure that you understand where I'm taking you. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 19. We're going to read one verse. Verse 23. Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up Mount Sinai because you yourself warned us. Put limits around the mountain and set it apart as holy. Put limits around the mountain and set it apart as holy. Now the Israelites expected God to miraculously and immediately give them the blessings that he had promised them. But as we've seen, God had a completely different idea about how the Israelites would receive his promises. It was through hard work, discipline, sacrifice, faith, confidence, and unity that the Israelites were going to be able to gain the promised land and become the nation that God had wanted them to become. To instill these essential assets into the Israelites' mindset and way of life, God gave them the Ten Commandments to obey. The Israelites had many obstacles to overcome before God could give them their blessings. Ownership of their very own land would be a complete lifestyle change for the Israelites. They simply were not prepared to handle what God had wanted to give them. 
To picture and understand the Israelites at this time, we must remember that they were newly freed slaves. Since the Israelites had been in captivity as a people for over 430 years, you got to remember, they still had a slave's mentality. They had been freed from the old season, but their mentality was brought into the new season. See, some of you are going to catch it here this morning. See, I understand that many times you say, God, free me. And God says, yes, I will free you. But many times we ask for freedom physically, right? God, just heal me. Just heal my need. Just heal this. And, and listen, he wants to heal you, but you need to know something. If he's going to heal you, then you might have to change a few things to keep that healing. See, God wants to heal your blood, but don't be eating and drinking all that stuff all the time that gets into your blood system. See, God wants to heal your diabetes. Do you believe that? I believe God wants to heal you. I truly believe that. But listen, you're going to have to change a few things. See, God wanted his people to enter into the promised land, but he wanted to make sure that they were going to be able to keep the promise that he gave them. And so what did they have to do? They had to change their mentality. See, they were very passive, and they lacked self-confidence and courage. The Israelites were a downtrodden people, and they had been accustomed to being beat down and belittled by the Egyptians. See, the Israelites had no money or resources. The only possessions that they had were the clothes on their back. The Israelites that did not even know how to get their own food because in Egypt their food was always provided for them. God had to send them manna and quail from the heavens while they were in the wilderness so they wouldn't even starve. They were scared and lost because this was the very first time they were on their own. They were completely dependent on the Lord to create them into a new nation. And so in his infinite wisdom, God gave the Israelites ten commandments and even other ritual laws to obey to help the Israelites form their new nation and a good society. He gave them general and even particular laws. The general laws were the ten commandments. Now, the Ten Commandments can be and still are used by people to form a strong nation. The United States of America was founded on the Ten Commandments. I'm going to say that one more time because I hope somebody hears that that's in power that understands this. The United States of America was founded and built upon the Ten Commandments. I'm going to let that sink in there for a little bit. We're getting away from it. Getting away from it. Getting away from it. I want to tell you something. God put these here for a reason. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But listen, we need to get back on track. And don't think, well, okay, well, uh, I'm doing it. Listen, you need to know something. God's looking down as a nation. The United States of America, not the divided states of America. We became united under the Ten Commandments, and the only way we're going to stay united is under the Ten Commandments. These commandments have helped nations form in the past and even still can to this day. See, the Ten Commandments were not demands established by a dictator to further oppress the Israelites. The laws provided accountability and discipline for the Israelites. 
making them stronger and further uh, unity in their society. The purpose of the Ten Commandments was not to overload an already weak and oppressed people with regulations and decrees. The purpose of the Ten Commandments was and still is to create a self-sufficient, strong, intelligent, unified people, an example of God's power to the rest of the world. That was the purpose then, and it is the purpose now. Romans chapter 3, verse 20. I want everybody to turn there if you can. If you don't have it, I believe we have it on the screen. Romans chapter 3, verse 20. What is the purpose of the Ten Commandments? In Romans chapter 3, verse 20, one verse kind of sums it all up right here. It says, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. So what's the purpose of the Ten Commandments? The purpose of the Ten Commandments is not to remove sin. The purpose of the Ten Commandments was to reveal sin. It wasn't to remove it. It was to reveal it. Perfect example for those of you that maybe have gone to the doctors before. I don't know if you've ever gone to the doctors and the doctor says, you know what, before I see you, they need to go take some x-rays. And you go into the x-ray room and they take a picture and the doctor comes back. And what the x-ray does is the x-ray is able to look on your insides. And so then they can see what is wrong with you. The Ten Commandments is an x-ray. And it's able to take a picture of what's on the inside. Now, the Ten Commandments don't heal you. Because whatever it is that you've got, the x-ray just reveals it. But what you and I need to do is we need to go to the great physician, and that is Jesus Christ. See, whatever it is that you may have on the inside that needs to take care of, the Ten Commandments just shows, hey, hey, hey hold on. Let's, let's, let's take a look at what needs to be taken care of. Let, let's just show, let's, let's see what is going on. See, the purpose of this photo is to reveal what is wrong on the inside. And in the similar way, the commandments which God entrusted to Moses are like the hospital's x-ray machine. See, how can the Ten Commandments reveal this sin that is in me? They reveal my sin in this way. If I compare my conduct with God's holy law, I will see how far I am from God in my thoughts, in my words, and in my deeds. When I look at God's law and then I look at myself, I know that I have sinned against God and sinned against man and that I cannot be admitted into a pure and uncontaminated presence of a holy God. See, just as the hospital x-ray machine is useful for showing what is not right in a person's body, so the Ten Commandments are useful for showing what is not right in a person's heart. Now, I can spend really a whole series just on each and every commandment. Now, I'm not here to really break down every Ten Commandments, but you need to know something. These commandments, especially when you say that word commandments, it kind of turns people off right away, right? It turns with Ten Commandments, like, I don't want to be told what to do, right? Right away, because even when you see a policeman, you're like, oh, man, pigs. Like, right away, you just it's, it's inside of you, like, I am going against the man. Nobody could tell me what to do. So right away, especially when we hear things like this, the Ten Commandments, nobody's going to command me, tell me what to do. I can do what I want. Okay, go ahead. 
everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. See, the Ten Commandments, they don't come at you and they don't purify you. They just tell you you need to be purified. And this was very important when God understood, if I'm going to build a people that were not a people, I need to give them some guidelines. I need to give them some accountability. I need to give them some discipline. Listen, one thing that I've learned, oh, my gosh, boy, did I need discipline. I was sharing with the guys the other day. We were talking. We were in the lobby over here, and we were just talking about some things. And all of a sudden, we got on the subject of uh, some kids. And, and I was talking about my kids. And, man, I got, you know, I got some crazy kids, man. I got four children, two boys and two girls and two of my sons. Oh, my gosh. Lord, help me, Jesus. But then we started talking about some of the things that we did when we were kids, some of the things that I did when I was a kid. And I was sharing this story, and it was kind of a funny story. But I, I remember when I was a kid, I had to go to the hospital. I must have been about four years old. Now, some of you are going to probably laugh and look at me a little funny, but that's okay. It's fine. I was a four-year-old kid. I didn't know. And I took a penny one time, and I saw the penny. You know, the kids, the penny. And I stuck the penny up my nose. And it got stuck in there. It went all the way up to the top right here. And I remember my mom freaking out. Oh, my gosh, Steve, he's going to die. I still can remember my mom's voice. Now, don't look at me funny. I stuck a penny up my nose. Some of you guys stuck other stuff up your nose. Okay? Are we good? Are we good? Okay. That's what I thought. So I stuck that. Up. I had it right there. I'm like, oh, and I can remember, oh, my gosh. And, and I remember that, you know, the doctor had to go and he had to take it out. And, you know, and then my mom, I remember my mom, oh, my God, they're at the hospital, right? Oh, my God, my son, oh, thank you, doctor, thank you, thank you. And we got home, and I got the whooping of a lifetime. <laughs> Don't you ever get that penny. And I'm like, I just had it. I almost died. Oh, my God, I'm going to die again. <laughs> right? Now, you wouldn't think, oh, mom would love you. Don't you ever almost kill yourself. I'm another one that's going to kill you. No one else, not a penny, you know. So speaking from experience, as a four-year-old kid growing up, boy, did I need discipline. I needed it. I had to, if not, I'd be sticking everything, going over here, looking over there, talking like this, saying whatever I want, just because I could do whatever I want. No, I needed discipline. Maybe not you. I did. I had to have it. I needed accountability. I had to let. See, because, well, I can do I'm a man. I can go wherever I want. Are you sure about that? I'm a married man, and I still need to be accountable to my wife. Oh, well, I'm a man. She ain't got to tell me what to do. I can do whatever I want. Go wherever I want. Okay, that's fine. You can do whatever you want. You know, everything is permissible. 
but it's not beneficial for your marriage. It's not a good thing. She can't tell me what to do. All right, well, let me get these tech. I, I need to take a picture. I need some x-rays. We got to look at your heart here. We need to take a look. See, and that's what God was trying to provide for his children. Because he said, look, if I'm going to give you these promises flowing with milk and honey, I need to make sure that on the inside you can sustain what I'm going to give you. You need discipline. You need accountability. Listen, for those of you guys that are in the home, I hate discipline. You need discipline. You can hate it all you want, but you need it. It's good for you. Sit down and eat your spinach, Popeye. You got to have it. It's very important, and not just for the home, but even for us. Married couples, singles, parents. You, you got to have it. It's very important to sustain the lifestyle that God wants to give you. And it was very important. That's why God said, listen, you got to change what you eat. you got to change what you see. And then after you change all the things, change your lifestyle. You ain't a thug no more. You're not a thug no more. Yeah, Jesus loves you, boo. What? Did you hear me? No, wait, wait, man, chill out, man. And I'm talking to the ladies here, you know. I was just kidding. But, man, some of us, it was so hardcore. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Jesus loves you. I think. Like, man, look, if you've got Jesus in your heart, tell your face. It's so, look, look, listen. It's okay to smile. It's okay. Look, I, I, believe me, I'm the first to understand that I go through things that get me down. They really do. I'll, I'll, I'd be a liar if I said I didn't or, or they didn't. I, 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 things do get me down. And they get me like, oh, man, I just... Uh, and, and, and growing up an athlete, I've always been taught to hit something. You know, I take a ball and hit something, play basketball, play football. Just hits it. That's the way I grew up. So when I go through things, I like to go out and I'll even tell them, I got to go play golf or something. I get, it's got to hit something, hit anything. I'd rather hit a ball than, you know, hit a person. That's just the way I was taught. I was brought up. So things that get me down, I get down. Like, uh, but then all of a sudden when I begin to realize, wait a second, I'm not the same. But I ain't got to hit nothing. I need to check something. I need to check my heart. Yeah, I may be going through some things, and things may try to get me down, but wait a second. I've got Christ in me, and greater is he that is in me than he that is trying to get me down. Listen, you got to know something here today. Listen, I understand that there may be trying to things that try to oppress you, that try to depress you, that try to get you down. But you got to know something, that Christ loves you. Christ got a plan for you. He died for you, and he loves you. His grace is amazing for you. And I want to tell you, when you begin to realize and you begin to open up your life to him, then all of a sudden things begin to change. I'm not the same way I was before. I may not be what I want to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. There's a change now. There's something different about me. And see, and that's what Christ was trying to get to the Israelites. He's saying, look, I, I brought you out for a reason. I didn't bring you out to keep you in the slave's mentality. I didn't bring you out to keep you depressed. I didn't bring you out to bring, uh, keep you oppressed. I brought you out because I got a mighty long way for you. I got promises for you. I got things that are going to flow for you. I got great things that are going to take place in your life. 
you would just make the change. Just make the change. Tell, tell your neighbor, make the change. Now, if we see that here this morning, I know many of us always say, well, I'm a good person. I'm okay. I, I'm, I'm, I know the, the, thou shalt lie. I don't lie. I, I don't covet. I, I'm okay. I'm a, I'm a good person. Listen, well, you need to know this. If that is your thinking that I'm a good person, I don't cheat, I don't steal, I don't commit adultery, you need to know this. On the day of judgment, God's not will not compare you with your sinful neighbor. He will compare you with his holy and perfect law, which says this. James chapter 2, verse 10, almost done right here. Whoever keeps the law, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Did you hear me? Whoever keeps the whole law, you can keep the whole thing, but if you stumble at just one of them, you broke them all. Well, I'm a good person. I'm okay. Revelation chapter 21 verse 27 says, nothing impure will ever enter into it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. See, Moses wrote everything that God had instructed him. Then early in the morning, Moses arose, made an altar at the base of Mount Sinai as God had commanded. When Moses finished making this altar, he ordered some of the young men to sacrifice some bulls, collect the blood and bulls, and burn the flesh on the altar. Then Moses took the blood of the bulls and sprinkled it on the altar, on the book in which he had written the Ten Commandments, and on all the crowd, and said this, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you. That's in Exodus chapter 24. So see, we see Moses at the commandment of God making an altar, sacrificing some animals, and sprinkling the blood upon the whole multitude of Israel. Now what was the reason for all this? God wanted to remind the Israelites of what he had taught their ancestors, Adam, Abel, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22. Now what am I saying? I'm saying this. Listen. We can try our best. Thou shalt no, have no other gods. Okay, I'm going to do that. We can try our best. Thou shalt not commit murder. Okay, I'm going to do that. All right, I'm going to do that. But if we break just one, if you've lied, well, matter of fact, I mean, without getting too much into it, but even in the New Testament, I'm just talking Old Testament here. Even in the New Testament, Jesus himself said, look, you think that, well, I didn't commit adultery. If you look at a woman lustfully, he went a step further. Matter of fact, well, I didn't kill anybody. I'm not murdering. Jesus said, well, even if there's anger in your heart and malice towards them, you've done it just the same. So I'm not even talking New Testament here. I'm just talking the Old Testament. So I haven't done that. Well, look, even if you just broke one of them, you broke all of them. See, that's what the x-ray does. The x-ray tells what's broken. The x-ray shows you, man, there's something that needs to be fixed in there. But see, this is the great thing I love about it. In Exodus chapter 24, Moses said, okay, let's get the blood and let's sprinkle it. Just so that they know and they, number one, they remember what happened 
with Noah, Abel, all the offerings that they did, Jacob, that they remember that. And then also that when we see it later on, it's all about the blood. So, well, I'm not going to be able to keep all this. Listen, I get it. I understand. So what you need to know is that the law is love. Are you hearing me? The law is love. The Bible says, look with me here. Romans chapter 13, verse 10. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Love is the fulfillment of the law. But his blood, look at me here. Love is the law. His blood is the grace. I can't keep all of them. It's okay. It's all right. What does your heart go after? What does your heart yearn for? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Covered in the, man, thank God I'm covered in the blood. I want to tell you right now, you are looking at an imperfect pastor. I don't have it all together. I don't know it all. I don't have every answer. But one thing that I can say that as I stand up here and I pray with all my heart, mind, body, and soul, that I stand in reverence unto God and that I'm covered in the blood of Christ. See, Moses took the commandments, sprinkled the blood, wanted to remind them, but then also wanted to foreshadow and say, look, one day someone's going to come and they're going to shed blood for everyone. And that shedding of the blood is going to cover all the laws that you break. Everything that you break. Because I want to tell you something. For those of you, even if you just came here this morning, you came in and you walked in. And even before you walked into the doors, maybe you might have lied. Maybe you might have lied. Simple one. But you walked into church, oh, I'm good now, I'm good. Well, the x-rays show you're not good. You're really not good. Well, no, no, I am. I, I know you are, but we took a picture, and we could see it on the x-ray. You can could, you could walk on it. You can walk on a broken leg, just to let you know. You can walk on a broken ankle. Some of you right now, you're walking on a broken heart. I'm okay. I'm fine. I'll go. Well, you could. You can survive that way. But there's only one great physician. There's only one that can restore and reconcile. Whatever it is that you need, there's only one. And it's not the pastor, it's not the church, it's not the building. There's only one, and that's Jesus Christ. See, the laws were just to keep the lifestyle, say, look, it's a good thing. It's kind of beneficial. Don't go around killing people. It's kind of a good thing. It's just a, it's kind of a good thing. Don't, don't keep any God before him. It's a good thing. Don't go around covering your neighbor's wife. That's a good thing. See, these things are beneficial. They're good for you. You may not like it, but they're good for you. Don't be a liar. It's good for you. Don't go coveting. It's good for you. And then when you say, well, man, well some of you might have come here, but I, I messed up. I, I, I might have did this. And maybe some of you, you're in a situation right now that you did what you feel is the worst of the worst sins. I want you to know something. Even though what we feel is the smallest sin of the liar, God looks down and says, listen, the lying is just as much as coveting, just as much as committing adultery, just as much, much as murdering. And I can't can take any of that contamination into the presence, but I have a way out for you. And that's my son who died upon the cross for you. 
He shed the blood for you. So if you come here humbly saying, God, I broke the law, saying, perfect, now I can hear you. Now I can hear you. Whatever you might be feeling here today, God, I'm broken. Perfect. You are the perfect client for the great physician. We've taken some x-rays. That's what the commandments were for, just to take x-rays. Not to show you how good or how bad you are, just to kind of take x-rays. And just to show, say, you know what? I think you need a healing. I think you need a physician. And here today, when he took the Israelites out, he said, listen, I want to take you to this promised land, but you got to change what you eat. you got to change what you see. And then also, i got to put some guidelines on you. They're for your own benefit. I mean, you can drive in the other lane, but it's kind of beneficial if you stay your own lane. Don't get mad if somebody hits you. Well, you were in the other lane. That's their fault. No, you should have just stayed in your lane. It would be good for you. Kind of keep to the speed limit. It, it's a good thing. It's beneficial to stay the speed limit. It's beneficial to make sure to read the signs. It's beneficial for your life. It's beneficial to keep the Sabbath holy. It's kind of a good thing to do that. It's good to come to church on a Sunday morning. It, it kind of, it's good for your spirit. It kind of helps. I know somebody, well, I, I don't, I'll come to church only if somebody calls me. If somebody picks me up, then I'll come. Actually, no, it's your choice. Don't, you're not going to get to heaven one day and say, oh, God's going to look down. Okay, did you go to church because somebody told you or because, no, no, no. It's, it's, you're not standing in front of Christ with anybody else. It's just you. It's just you. And this goes for married couples too. This goes for married couples. Well, it, it was my wife's fault. Matter of fact, I mean, I don't know. Don't, don't take my word for this. But I'm not sure if you're going to be standing face to face with your wife or with your husband. I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's her fault. It's his fault. It's my past fault. It's my ex-wife's fault. It's my ex-husband's fault. I, well, I, I'm not sure if that's, you know, they've got their own x-rays. You've got yours. You've got to do your best to say, okay, you know what? My past is my past. I've been hurt. I've been broken. I've been messed up. I've been depressed. I've been oppressed. But now I've seen where I need some fixings. And, Lord, have your way within my life. Not my will, but your will be done. Not my healing, but your healing be done. Here today, some of you, if you've got to change that lifestyle to go into that promised land, then I want to challenge you. Change those things. I want every head bowed and every eye closed here this morning. The law is love. The lifestyle change is love. It's not about if smoking or drinking will send you to hell. Listen, my friend, that's not the point. Well, doing this or doing that, listen, my friend, that's not the point. If you really want to know then what you need to do, like when we did communion, examine yourself. Examine yourself to a holy God. Don't examine yourself to your neighbor. Don't examine yourself to the rich man that you see on television. Don't examine yourself even to the minister in the church. Examine yourself to the holy word. What does the Bible say? Well, I'm hurt because they hurt me. Well, I'm this way because they made me this way. No. Take an examination. And this is where you got to say, okay, God, 
heal me in this area. I do not want to be a bitter Christian. I do not want to be a resentful Christian. I do not want to be a prideful Christian. I don't want to be a person that walks in a lifestyle of hurt and oppression. But I want to be a man or a woman that says, Lord, you are my life. You are my breath. You are my everything. With every head bowed and every eye closed, God is dealing with many of us here this morning. We've been talking about getting into this new season. And some of you, you felt the old leave, but now in this new season, you're going to have to change a few things. You're going to have to change the way we've thought before in the past. This is some of you that just got saved. Listen, you're not a second-class citizen no more. So you got to start thinking above that standard that used to be your life. No, 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 no. I don't have to run to the bottle anymore whenever I get hurt. I don't have to run and gossip anymore whenever people talk about me. I'm going to change my lifestyle. With every head bowed and every echo, the Spirit of God moving and ministering even now. You can feel the Spirit of God. You can sense it. The Spirit of God is doing something heavily, even I believe even within some marriages right now. Even within some marriages.